Jesus is talking behind your back. Jesus is talking behind your back. And that'll make more sense here in a few moments. Um, so if you would, you can go ahead and have a seat. And um, I'm going to pray. And then uh, we're going to have a great time today. Will you pray with me before we begin? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these brief moments that we have together just to um, set aside everything else in the week and unite and align our focus with you. And God, I ask that um, in these brief moments that you would show up and do what only you can do, and that is to touch our hearts, change our lives. God, God I pray that you would, um, you would uh, define my words, that my words would not be mine, but be yours, and use my words to speak to individual lives, that people would leave today changed. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said? Amen. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Has anybody ever offered something hoping secretly that they didn't accept the offer? Yeah. <laughs> raise your hand by show of hands. Okay, so um, I wouldn't consider myself much of an outdoorsman. Um, uh, I enjoy the outdoors. I, um, I enjoy extreme sports. I went skydiving this year, and, and uh, I enjoy uh, anything that doesn't, uh, that isn't like, like camping, where you're going to be wake up in the morning and you're going to be moist on your nose. Yeah, and I said the word moist because like camping, you feel moist. I, there's a believer over there. And uh, how many of you would consider yourself outdoorsmen? All right, how many of you, uh, everybody else um, who would say, I just prefer to kind of see the outdoors on Netflix and TV. Okay, so I'm kind of more in your belt, but I want to be, I want to be an outdoorsman. So there, there we were, December, uh, I think it was 10th or 11th, 2015, sitting in a room with my friend uh, Malachi and uh, Colby Erickson, who's here. Many of you know Colby. Um, and Colby, what we call, I call him the preaching tower of power. But uh, <laughs> like, what? I don't even know this guy. Um, so I'm, we're sitting there together, and, uh, and Malachi's like, hey, you know what we should do is in the next couple of weeks, we should go kayak down the Trinity River. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a great idea. And, you know, and I really wasn't into it. So I said, um, uh, you know, okay, that's great. So how about we do this? Um, why don't we go, and I thought of the most inconvenient time available, why don't we just go Christmas Eve? Because that's really the only time I have available. <laughs> and uh, Malachi turns and goes, sure, what time? <laughs> so. so I psych myself up, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple weeks coming and and I'm actually excited. I'm excited to kayak down the Trinity. And if you don't realize, like, people, like, this is serious, but people have died on there this year, like, kayaking and stuff. So I'm like, this is dangerous. This is kind of exciting. This is manly and hearty. And, and we're going to go after, go eat and eat steak after this. Like, this is great. I'm feeling good. So I'm starting to get excited about kayaking. So there we are. We, we, uh, we reach our point where we're going to go and we, we cast off. All right. And we borrow kayaks from some beautiful friends and, and we cast off and Malachi is kind of leading the way. He's kind of the kayak expert of, of the three of us. And, uh, Malachi and I, Malachi and I both, put strap our helmets on and Colby's like, yeah, I don't need, I, you know, you guys can use the helmets. I'll be okay. And whatever. And, uh, 
Tower of Power, you know, over there without a helmet. And uh, we cast off. And, and what's interesting is there are these little these miniature uh, um, waterfalls, these, a series of them throughout where we are, we are casting off. And, uh, and immediately, there's one, as soon as we go. So Malachi, he's going straight for this little m- miniature drop-off, and he goes and he drops right off and makes it out, shoots out just fine, and I come behind him, and whoosh, I come out just fine. Colby does whoosh, just as well, look back and see him, and he's good. And, and I'm excited, I'm getting pumped up, and, and, um, and not too far down, actually very close, there is a, an even larger, um, what I'd consider, waterfall. Because at, at the bottom, on the left side, there was kind of this whirlpool. And, uh, and for, for a second, I got a feeling of anxiety, but, but then, I to- and then I pushed it to side with excitement. I'm like, this is going to be great, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to conquer it. I conquered that one, and I can conquer this one, and we're moving forward. And all of a sudden, I notice that people who are riding bikes and running on, on the sides of the river stop, and they begin to look to see what's about to happen. And at that moment, I was beginning to realize the significance of this. Malachi goes and uh, he shoots over the edge. We don't see him. And then we see him flying right out. And I'm thinking, hey, this is going to be cake. I begin to build up momentum and I'm pushing. And I come to the edge of the waterfall without a second hesitation. I launch myself out. The water is rushing. And I go straight in. But instead of shooting out, my kayak went to the left. And to the left, with the current, flipped me upside down. My heart's pulsating. And all of a sudden, the, this frigid river is, is, uh, is, is all, I'm encompassed. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm underwater, under this kayak. And the first thing that I think of is not my survival instinct, but the first thing I think of as soon as I'm underwater is my prescription sunglasses are gone. <laughs> And then I realized I could die here, okay? And I'm underwater, and I and I and I the kayak whoo, separated, paddle whoo, gone, and I shoot out of the water. And I and uh, when I shoot out, I just I I feel when you're so cold you can barely take a breath. It's like, and I shoot out, and whoo, I'm brought right back in. I have no control over my body. I'm like a rag doll in this river, and. And, uh, and, uh, and once again, um, a, far, a little bit further down, I shoot back out again, and I'm able to kind of gain control of myself, and, I, and I'm swimming over to where the kayak is, which is flipped, and then I grab hold of it, and I'm holding on to it like this, and, and I, and I, I kind of catch my, catch my breath, and I get a good look ahead, and I see Malachi, who had um, docked. Uh, he kind of went over to the side, and he got out of his kayak, and he's over looking at me with his eyes popped out. Just laughing. And I'm like, I roll my eyes and I'm stinking cold. And then, I, and then I realize, huh, what about Colby? And I look back and I see an upside down kayak. And I see a head pop out of the water like this. Ah, my head. And, um, and then I turn back and I'm frustrated about my sunglasses again. And, and uh, we, as Colby survives, don't worry, the preaching power of tower is alive today. But uh, um, I want to share with you a little bit about what I expected this trip to be, be like. And I want to show it on the screen. 
this is what kind of what I expected the trip to be like. Beautiful colors, you know, that's me smiling, having a good time. That's what everyone sees in your life on social media. You know, it's great. Hey, we're kayaking down the Trinity and it's calm and peaceful. But I want to share with you what my experience was a little bit more like. And I think that this image displays it well. <laughs> Uh, still with no Oscar hanging on. <laughs> Jesus. There is a difference between what I ex expected and what I experienced. Now, that's funny when we're talking about Leo, but when it's your life, when it's your life and what you've expected for this year, it's not really something to laugh at. When you expected 2016 to be different, and one month in, you're back worse off than you were before, what do you do? I mean, unmet expectations can be <laughs> devastating. And the truth is, many people have stopped expecting great things and expecting a, a, a great and large future because they're just tired of being let down. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you decided, I'm just not going to trust anybody anymore because I know how people are. And I know what happened last time. And honestly, when you're met with this gap of expectation and experience, it's grounds to quit and give up and stop because 95% of people, they do. So what do you do? Do you give up hope? Do you just kind of hunker in and survive. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. In other words, to not hope is the ingredients for a sick heart. I wonder who's here today dealing with a sick heart. What I'm about to share over these final moments is I believe so significant because of what hangs in the balance. I could, because I, I believe the tension between what you do and even how you think and how you treat yourself in the moments between expectation and experience can completely alter your life. It turns out um, that a man in scripture finds himself in a similar place. And I want to tell you a story about him. But go with me in the meantime to Matthew chapter 11. Open your Bibles to Matthew uh, or click over to Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 1. And I want to share it with you about a man named John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist um, Baptist wasn't his denomination. Um, it's not like, you know, you have Pete the Presbyterian and Mark the Methodist. No, no John was actually the first, uh, you get that, huh? John was actually the first to baptize people in water. Um, John was a forerunner. He was a trailblazer. In fact, he was Jesus' cousin. I mean, they would have grown up together knowing the Son of God on a personal level. I can imagine being 16, 17-year-old um, boys just dreaming about the ministry that, uh, that they were envisioning in the future and how John was going to be a part of it to the end. John's whole purpose in life was to prepare the way for the one who is to come. 
And we find John in uh, Matthew chapter 11, not where he expected. John was bold. He was, he was a preacher. Literally, cities and towns would empty just to hear his words. And even the chief priests and Pharisees who would, who would mock and belittle Jesus actually just wanted to be associated with John because of how popular and prestigious he was. And John, he at one point, goes and puts his finger in a king's face and uh, confronts him on some sin issue and finds himself in prison, not because of something he did wrong, but because of something he did right. And I want to read with you uh, Matthew chapter 11. It says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. So Jesus is on this massive preaching tour, uh, healing people. And when John, who was in prison, not because of something he did wrong, but because of something he did right, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him. So John, before I tell you the question that he, he's asking, before we look at that, John's hearing about everything else that's going on from his little prison cell. His, his followers are coming and giving him reports, and here's what he's hearing. His people are getting healed. The gospel's being shared. Um, you know what? Even... Peter, the, the hothead, Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus went and healed him. Her, her. She's a girl. Peter's mother-in-law is a girl. And many scholars and theologians say that that's why Peter denied Jesus. As Christian, it's, that's a joke. Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law? All right, whatever. <laughs> the bottom line is, John's, uh, John's in there thinking, you're healing Pete's mother-in-law, and I'm your cousin, and I'm here in prison. You know, that's great, you know, and I support that, but what about me? And what John asks next is quite significant based on what John's purpose was in life. He says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? The one who knew Jesus probably closer than anyone else is asking, are you the one that I've been preaching about, preaching about? Are you the one that I've given my life for? Because I'm here in prison, rotting away, and my experience isn't lining up with my expectation. And if you're here today, you can relate. If uh, you've ever felt like every word that comes out of your mouth is just stupid and you feel like you can't talk right, and as soon as words come out, you wish you could take them back when everybody else seems to socialize flawlessly. If you've ever had a passion that you knew that you were born for, but your passion doesn't pay the bills. If, man, if you've ever thought that this year would be different, but it's actually worse off than last year, then you know what it feels like to say, God, I love you, and God, I trust you, but is this it? Really? You know, because if it is, just let me know so I can just know. And that's okay if it is, but I just want to know so I don't get my hopes up anymore. Is this it for my life? And Jesus replies to his disciples, John's disciples, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, 
Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What's interesting that you can't see in this passage and in my study of it is Jesus was actually referencing um, scripture in Isaiah 35. Um, In other words, Jesus is just pointing John back to the word of God, which John would have known well. And what's about to happen next, I think, is the most interesting part of the entire passage and revealing to the character of Jesus As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? (laughs) A reed swayed by the wind? Uh, Like a tumbleweed? No. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? (laughs) Not John. (laughs) Nope. Uh, Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? A preacher? Yeah. (laughs) I tell you and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And, and what I'm about to read next and what Jesus says next would have been so um, counterintuitive, which would have been backwards in this Jewish culture. The Jews would have believed that Moses uh, would have been the greatest man who ever lived. And people um, modeled their lives after um, the religious principles set in place. And what Jesus is about to say would have baffled the crowd. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Wow. Among those born of women, which is pretty much everybody. How many of you in here are born of a woman? Yep, and if the person next to you doesn't have their hand up, they are probably an angel or lying. (laughs) Among those born of women, everybody, in other words, Jesus is saying, John is the greatest man who ever lived. Not only the greatest preacher, the greatest prophet, greater than Elijah, greater than Moses, the greatest man who ever lived. Can you imagine what John might have felt when he heard that? Can you imagine how that would have given him just the strength enough to keep going and keep hoping, knowing that his life wasn't worthless? What's interesting, and I think the key to the passage is, John never hears a word of it. In fact, all John hears is all the good things that Jesus is doing. Jesus waits for his disciples to leave until he talks about what he thinks about John. So why do you think that Jesus said these things behind John's back? Do you think that Jesus might have forgot? No, I mean, he could have had sent Peter to go and, hey, wait, wait, Jesus forgot to tell you. You know, I don't think Jesus forgets things. Do you think that Jesus was too insecure to share affirmation openly? No. That's absurd. Here's what I believe. And it's also the key to the entire tension of this passage. Is I believe that Jesus didn't want John to put his faith in John 
Jesus wanted John to put his faith in Jesus. In other words, Jesus is saying, John, I don't want you to think that I love you because of what you did. I want you to know that I love you because of who I am. And there will be times in your life and times in my life where we will be in this expectation gap, but I feel that the key to the passage and what I want to tell you today is when you don't feel the affirmation you want from somebody else and the approval that you need from somebody else and you're in that place, I think sometimes God puts us there for our affirmation to rest in him. Not in what you can work out, but what's being worked out around and about you. You know, over these last minutes, I want to share a few encouraging words to you as, as we, uh, we go home this afternoon. And, um, and I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to speak to somebody. I really believe it because these are words over the past four to five years that I've, uh, I've even preached to myself. And uh, I want you guys to write these down. Uh, preach them to all your dysfunctional friends. Uh, tell them to your mom. And, um, and I believe that uh, God's going to speak to someone today. What I believe Jesus would be saying about you behind your back. Number one you're doing better than you think you are. You're doing better than you think you are. How do I know that? Why? Because many of you believe that your Heavenly Father is constantly angry and mad and disappointed in you because that's the only example of a father you've ever had. Let me ask you this. How can God be angry and disappointed when he knew that you would fail? He knew that you would fall. He knew that you would come up short time and time again, but chose to die for you anyway. You're doing better than you think you are. You know how I know you're doing better than you think, than you, think you are? Because you're here. Somebody else is at home watching reruns of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, wallowing in self-pity. You know, that, that's a joke. You're doing better than you think you are. You had enough uh, gall and nerve to get into the house of God and to grow in things of, of him and of faith and, d- and increase your relationship with Jesus and those around and about you. Most people aren't doing that today. You're doing better than you think you are. About uh, four or so weeks ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop and, and I overheard this conversation, this lady, she, she kind of a grouch pouch, and she's like, you know the problem? I just got my attention. You know the problem with, with, with kids and millennials today? You know what it is? And she was talking to her friend. She goes, they just think that they're so special. They just think, that's what's making everyone narcissistic. They just think that they're so special and valuable. And I thought of my response. It was, I, w- I wish I could have said something, but I thought, you know when you think of something like two weeks later and it hits you, it's like, I wish I could have said that. You know, I, here's what I would have said, said, and I would have turned my chair around and, and, and put my hand on the table and said, lady, you know what? I believe quite the opposite. I don't believe the reason that they are the way they are is because they think they're so special. I believe the reason is they don't know how special they truly are. Here's why. There would be significantly less selfies on Facebook. 
when you know that you're approved and you know that you're special, you don't need to seek it from anybody else. Church, you're approved and you're doing better than you think you are. You know what? Let's practice this. Why don't you just touch, whether be behind you or beside you, touch two people and tell them you're doing better than you think you are. Come on, let's go. You're doing better than you think you are. And you know what happens when I think you start telling your husband, you start telling your kids, you start telling your employees that you're doing better than you think you are, they're going to start doing better and better and better and better and better because I believe God wants to build on what remains in your life. God said, I will, he did, Jesus didn't say, I will condemn my church. He said, no, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will bring hope to the hopeless. And I believe if you start building the lives of people around and about you, watch and see how God will build your life. You're doing better than you think you are. Number two, you matter more than you think you do. You matter more than you think you do. Here's why. You can determine the worth of something by the price that was paid by someone who knows the true value of it. And Jesus bought you with his blood. So don't say you don't matter. And I believe that, and I pray that somebody here will take this to heart and believe this. A single mom who's rushing around trying to work jobs and take care of your kids, barely has a, t a second to sit down. You teenager, who has over and over contemplated suicide because you think that your life is worth worthless. You matter so much more than you could ever know. You matter more than you think you do. Does anybody remember uh, first grade? Hand up. You remember first grade? You remember first grade? Okay. I have an instance. I mean, there are a few, very few memories of first grade, except for one specific, specifically. And uh, memories will pop up from time to time, but I thought of this in recent weeks. Um, anybody ever had a bully growing up? Okay, so I, I had a pair. And uh, I was in first grade. These guys were fourth graders. And uh, their names were uh, Tyler and Garcia. Um, Tyler and Garcia. And um, actually, the, the, the main guy, the, the name was, was Tyler Garcia. We didn't actually know the other guy's name, his henchman, so we just called him Garcia. Um, so, I'm like, what? It's just the truth. So, uh, the henchman was Garcia, Tyler and Garcia. And so, I was reluctant to go to uh, Wednesday night kids' church because of Tyler and Garcia. I mean, they, um, there were instances where they would, they would throw pebbles at me on the playground. One time they even told, I mean, I'm just a first grade taught. They told this fourth grader, Whitney, that I loved her, which was false and humiliating for a first grade tater tot. Man, I didn't even want to serve God anymore because of Whitney. I don't love Whitney. It just thinks she's pretty, you know. Tyler and Garcia. And I show up to church uh, one day, and I'm out in the playground on this, the, the bench with a couple of my, my friends, my crew, and just right on cue, Tyler and Garcia start moving toward me. 
I see him, Tyler ahead, Garcia a few paces behind, looking straight at me. And I try not to make, make eye contact and kind of look away. And, and all of a sudden, Tyler puts his hand on my shoulder. My heart's beating. I mean, my blood is pulsating through my veins. First grade taught. And Tyler leans over and he says, I found out. <laughs> yeah, I found out. I said, you found out what? That we're actually fourth cousins. <laughs> okay, yeah. Me and you were fourth cousins, Tyler? Yeah. Like Garcia too? <laughs> you know, like, are we in this get together? <laughs> And uh, Tyler's like, yeah. And uh, so we decided that we're not going to give you a hard time anymore since you're family. So um, in fact, if anyone messes with you, they're going to have to answer to me. What? <laughs> and to this day, I do not know what they were talking about at all. I don't even, my cousins, I don't have any Garcias. Do we have Garcias? Like, what are they talking about? Doesn't even make any sense. But one thing I do know for certain is their behavior altered when their beliefs changed. And I think that a lot of you today, or some of you, may be struggling to change your behavior and the habits that you have. But I believe that there's a prerequisite it's belief in who you are. I believe that if you realized how much you matter, you wouldn't treat yourself the way that you do. You wouldn't live life the way that you live. And I'm here to tell someone today that you matter so much more than you think you do. No matter what anyone else has said about you in the past, you matter more than you think you do. And uh, I close with this. And if the band can go ahead and, and join me. And uh, before we go on to this last point, I want us to put this into practice once, once more. And I want you to poke or touch two people behind you or beside you. And just look them in the eye and say, you matter more than you think you do. Ready, set, go. Number three which I believe to be not more important, but I believe it is equally important to completing it. This message uh, would be incomplete without it. And what I pull from the passage is one other thing that I believe Jesus would say about you behind your back. And I believe that what I'm about to tell you is gonna set somebody free today from the expectations that you've put on yourself. It's less about you than you think it is. It's less about you than you think it is. <sighs> there is freedom that comes in knowing that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, it's not about you. Whenever I get frustrated and anxious, I just sometimes have to set myself aside and sit myself down and say, Preston, it's not about you. It's not about you. The world will go on without you. 
You matter, but it's not about you. And you're thinking, wait, this guy's first telling me I matter more than I think I do, and now he's telling me it's less about me than I think it is. Yes, <laughs> you matter more when you realize it's not about you to begin with because there's a bigger picture. When John was in prison, all he could see was his surroundings, which was isolation, a dark prison cell. He couldn't see all the good things that were happening because of his hard work. But the bottom line is, what John didn't realize is this story about John in Matthew 11 isn't really a story about John. It's a story about Jesus. Church, friends, what we are a part of is much bigger than the part we play. It's less about you than you think it is. And as we close, I want to read to you something that kind of altered my paradigm of thinking. In 2012, I read a book by Stephen Covey, one of, one of my favorite authors. My dad had given it to me and to have me read, and, and he even uh, died shortly after I read this, and it left an impact on me. And, and uh, hearing this story really altered the way that I live my life. This is uh, an experience by Stephen. He says, I remember a mini paradigm shift I experienced one morning on a subway in New York. People were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thought, some resting with their eyes closed. It was a calm and peaceful scene. Then suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. And the children were yelling back and forth, throwing things and even grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing. And yet the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult to not feel irritated. I could not believe that he could be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it taking no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt as an unusual, an unusual patience and restraint, I turned to him and said, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. Uh, I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. And the man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And uh, I just guess that they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt in that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, I thought differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed in an instant. 
there is a paradigm shifting perspective that comes for your life when you realize it's less about you than you think it is. So if things don't work out, it's not about me. It's not about me. And I know here today, you whose marriage didn't work out, I know it hurts. You who wishes you could just connect with people and have a relationship, but you can't seem to get deep with anyone, I know it hurts, and I know you're lonely. You, mom, trying to raise kids all by yourself, I know, I know it hurts. And you who had a passion for something and worked it and worked it and worked it, but it failed, I know it hurts. But if you only knew what Jesus was saying behind your back, everything could change. Will you stand with me? As we close, we're gonna sing this song one more time. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. And the reason that we sing it, and the reason that we praise God, is it shifts the focus off ourself and how dysfunctional we are and puts our focus on the perfection of Jesus. If you feel comfortable, would you lift your hands to Jesus? Father, we thank you that you are the author and finisher of our faith. God, we choose today to put down our pride and our ambition and submit ourselves to you. The gap between our expectation and experience, we fill with you, with Jesus. And we take you at your word where you say, you know the plans that you have for your people. Plans to prosper, plans to bless, plans for a hope, plans for a future. And the good work you began in us, you will carry on to the day of completion. In Jesus' name, come on, can we sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Come on, church, sing it out.